Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? You good? Not great. <laughs> All right. Hey, hopefully better after we leave here. Um, wow, so we've had a, a couple of, I'd say, a little bit strange weeks uh, back at school just because the, the last two weekends we've been hit with some snowstorms. So um, we still had church both of those days. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it was probably good both those days, but uh, just a little different, you know, so, uh, but in case you missed it, we've started this series for uh, a little while, semester called The Words of the Wise, and we're digging into the wisdom literature in the Old Testament. Um, today, I kind of get the responsibility of teaching on Proverbs 3, and uh, I remember a, a few days well, yeah, a few days ago, earlier this week, I was talking to uh, Chad, and he asked what I was teaching on on Sunday, and I said, uh, jokingly, I was like, the best Proverbs chapter, and he was like, Proverbs 3? Like, for real? And uh, I thought that was funny. He knew he, knew he was on the same wavelength with me, but uh, we're, we're covering what might be the most quoted Proverbs verse this morning, um, and so it's, it's probably for good reason, but before we get into that, let's uh, pray, and then we'll dig into the scriptures. Um, God, uh, let me just ask that you would be present here. Um, God, we, we ask that you would speak. God, my consistent prayer is that you would speak to the hearts of um, our congregation in a way that's louder than I can. And um, let me just ask that, uh, really, that you meet us here and um, teach us something this morning that we can uh, Used to honor you better in our lives and to walk with you better. Uh, Lord, we love you so much, and uh, we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 1 through 12. So um, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. It says this, verse 1. My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you onto the right paths. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father the son he delights in. Okay, so... Um, Normally here is where I'd kind of talk about the context of this passage, um, and, and there's not a ton of context really to talk about here, uh, or context to be understood, because the Proverbs are generally really straightforward. It's a set of sayings um, that can be used to learn and, and, and to grow in wisdom. Uh, Grant covered this a couple weeks ago, but this is probably the only context that we need. It's in Proverbs 1. Um, it starts by saying this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, 
forgiving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables for the sayings and riddles of the wise. So this book is written by uh, Solomon, who the scriptures describe as the richest man to ever live and then also the wisest man to ever live. And, and so he, he wrote these Proverbs. Why? Well, it says here to, to give people insight, to give people wisdom and learning, uh, and ultimately so that people, as they grow in those things, can grow in their walk with Jesus. And so this particular section of Proverbs we're covering today talks really heavily about trusting the Lord in uh, all kinds of different ways. Um, the, the, the most popular verse or set of verses would be verses 5 and 6, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but you can see that theme of trusting uh, the Lord throughout what Solomon is saying here in this passage and really through all of the Proverbs. Uh, so he seemed to think it was of utmost value and importance to learn to trust God. Uh, And and so most of what we're going to own in on today is verses 5 and 6, which again are as follows. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right paths. Uh, so with that, there are a few things that stick out to me as, as things that we can learn to trust God with better. Uh, but before we even discuss them, I, I just encourage you to be um, listening, and, and not really just listening to me, but I mean listening for the Lord, uh, because while it's possible that all of these things would be really applicable to you, um, it's more likely that maybe one of these things is applicable to your life in, in, in a way that you can learn to trust God better in. And so um, I, I just ask that you be listening for whatever that might be in your life. And so uh, the first thing is this, um, and, and this is more general, but trust in the Lord for understanding. This is absolutely foundational and crucial for the Christian life, trusting in God for understanding. And, and I know that's a general term, but um, what I mean by that is this, how we view and understand the world ought to be based on the truth that we see in the scriptures, right? in the word of God. Because God is the only one that we can trust with absolute certainty uh, when we evaluate these things. Like God is perfect and his righteousness and his holiness, like unchanging, right? But, but we're not as human beings. We're, we're fallible, we're weak, we're prone to change. Uh, we don't have perfect reasoning and, and even things that seem right to us may not be. Uh, We're emotional beings, which emotions not bad, but can tend to sway us in a direction that may not be true or accurate. I mean, the the world tells us to do the exact opposite of what this proverb is telling us, right? It says, kind of do what seems right to you. Um, You know, you decide, you be the judge, you can kind of see what's true for you, and and what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for them is true for them, and um, you know, that's fine. Let your heart guide you, so to speak. Uh, but, but the scriptures kind of condemn that a little bit. And, and, and these two verses, I think, really speak to that. Um, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So pretty powerful there, this idea that, hey, this seems right to me is not good enough and sometimes can actually lead you in the wrong direction. And then the same thing, uh, you see the same theme here in, in Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Right? 
The heart is deceitful. And, and so relying on our own sense of right and wrong, our own sense of good and evil, as we evaluate our morality, our, our principles, and just even generally just how we live, I think is probably foolish. Because we're, we're flawed. Our hearts are deceitful. Something that could totally feel right to us could lead us into utter ruin. And, and so, you know, something could even feel right to your classmate. They may give you a, a really good reason as to why uh, that thing feels right to them. And, and, and it even kind of makes sense to you. But if, if the scriptures say otherwise, we ought to align our hearts with that, right? Like God is not wrong. Um, and, and this is true of really anybody that we talk to or, or speak to. Um, you know, we as Christians, we need to know Scripture well enough to discern whether or not something is true or false, right or wrong. Um, and, and so I even hope that you know, when you are in here listening to us as, as we speak and different things like that, that you're comparing that against what you see in the Scriptures. And you know, if there's something that doesn't line up, even if we say something that sounds right or good or sounds nice, if it is not lining up with the scriptures, I hope that you toss it, right? I hope that you listen to the word of God. And I also hope that you would approach us, like let us know, because like, you know, we don't want to be preaching something that's not from God. Now, I do want to give this caveat, like we need to understand scripture properly, um, you know, like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should blindly pick out a line of Scripture and say, like, ah, like, this is what this means, we, we ought to follow it, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to get up here and say, uh, hey, you know, all the men in here that are clean-shaven, you're sinners. Bible says don't cut your beard, right? Like, that would be a poor use, probably, of the Scriptures and, and a poor use of what we see there. Um, but, you know, there, there, there is something to that Scripture, and, and I think it's, it's wise for us to... to uh, read it to try and understand it. Why do you think God said this? Why, you know, um, did he say this to these people? Are we supposed to apply that in our own lives? Why or why not? Um, you know, how do we obey God in this? All of that is really, really important. And so um, in everything that we do, let us build our foundation off of what we see in Scripture. Anything else is foolish. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You know, if we go off of what feels right, I think we're walking a dangerous path that, that I think will inevitably lead us astray and, and away from God. So that's the first thing, is trust in the Lord for our understanding. Uh, the next way that we can trust in the Lord is this, trust in the Lord for direction. Trust in the Lord for direction. Now, um, when I say that, I think I'm thinking about two things. Trusting the Lord for direction in our calling uh, and in our day-to-day. -day. So, so trusting in the Lord for direction in right, our future and then also in our, our present. Uh, and so in regards to um, the future, we, we ought to seek God constantly as we seek out our, con our, our calling. Um, we ought to pray constantly. We ought to seek counsel and wisdom from other people that we know are going before the Lord, people that we can trust. Uh, we have to read the scriptures, let God speak to our hearts as we engage with the scriptures. And, and when the conviction comes that can only come from the Spirit, right, trust him. Trust him in that, even if there's uh, 
some kind of fear present there. Uh, regardless of how much sense that may make to you in your own reasoning, if God is speaking to you in that way, trust him. And, and, and if I can take a step back, I think that that sounds a little bit scary to me to, to even say that to you all because uh, I, I think if, if we're not careful, what it sounds like is uh, I just kind of contradicted myself, right? I just said, hey, don't listen to your feelings. Listen to the word of God. And then I just went back and said, hey, listen to the spirit, listen to your convictions and things like that. And, and I would just caution you, I don't think that those things are quite the same. That's not exactly what I'm saying at all. The spirit of God does speak to us. I think the spirit of God primarily speaks in peace and in conviction, although I don't think that's the only way that he speaks. Um, and, and it probably takes time to learn to listen to that. Um, but but a, a couple things that I think are good in, in terms of how we evaluate um, our listening to the Spirit, how to know that that's from God and not just something that we're feeling. Um, the first thing is this. The Spirit is never, ever going to disagree with the Scriptures. Ever. Right? He's God. God can't disagree with himself. And so if you think that the Spirit told you something and it seems to contradict something that you see in the Word, I would say you're probably wrong. <laughs> Right? You're probably wrong and that the Spirit maybe didn't speak to you there at all. And um, you know that's, that's, that's a little bit dangerous. And then the second thing is this, is that the conviction that comes from the Spirit doesn't often lead to safety. Uh, and I think that this is a good litmus test as we're learning to, to listen to the Spirit of God. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, if the Spirit is convicting you to do something that seems really scary... Um, maybe a little bit even irrational. I think that we should trust him and do that thing, right? But that doesn't sound very safe to me, which is, I think, where our emotions would tend to lead us. It is to a place of safety, to a place of comfort, um, to a place where people might like us more if, if, if we did this thing or that thing or held this opinion. Right? And maybe that's a good litmus test. Right? to see whether or not our heart is being deceitful or whether or not the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And so, I, I don't know. In, in all that, I think that we should pray a lot, seek guidance from others, test it against the Scriptures. Um, the Spirit of God does not tend to lead us to safety. So, an, an example of that, um, of trusting God with direction, that I think maybe could help you see what I mean whenever I say things like, oh, like, listen to God when it seems irrational. Um, is this, um, maybe you know this if you've been around some or maybe not, but some of the leadership in our church have felt led for a little while now to send out another church plant um, in the near future. And uh, it's probably going to be to another university, but we're, we're in the beginning stages of that. Um, Lindsay and I feel pretty compelled to go whenever that happens. Um, which is exciting and scary and uh, all kinds of things like that. But um, in the midst of that, we're, we're, we're praying, we're seeking counsel, we're trying to figure out where, right? Where would God have us go? Where should we go and plant this next collegiate church? And uh, I think that I know one thing that I've been trying to consider in that is that God may lead us to plant somewhere that doesn't make complete sense to us, um, that doesn't make the most sense to us, uh, or maybe like not quite what we thought it would be when we said yes to going. Um, 
You know, like he may send us further away than we thought, um, maybe further away from this church here in Cincinnati uh, where we, you know, have kind of a community and family and stuff like that. He may send us further away from our own families. I'm not even good at family, really, but there's, there's an aspect of that that's like if, if we were um, sent for, far away from our family, like I'm just used to being in shouting distance of my family, right? They're, they're a few hours away or whatever, but um, to, to have to think about that and, and worry about whether or not I'm going to get to see my family over the course of the year, you know, that's something that's like, ah, it's a little uncomfortable to me. Um, I've thought for a while that we should plant in a place that's maybe a bigger city so that people can get jobs if they want to come along and are like not on staff. Um, and then I, you know, suppose that it's possible that God would direct us to a college town that doesn't have, you know, a lot of jobs there or a lot else going on there. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know where God is leading us, but I think that it's one of those things where we're, we're trying to be really open to wherever God would have us go. Because it'd be much better for us to go where God is directing us than to go to a place that, you know, makes sense to me. Right? Like, I could go somewhere and it could pass in, in all these areas that I think are really important. But if that's not where God is leading us, I think it'll end up being something that's just okay and not great. Right? Not really uh, what God had kind of intended. And so I think that this kind of principle is true for all of us, that, that we ought to submit our futures to him and, and trust him with that uh, and pray and seek and, and consider what he'd have us do if we let him lead our lives. Uh, and that's not just true for the future. It's true in the day-to-day, in, in the present, you know, right here, right now. Every day you're given an allotment of time to spend. It's, it's like a currency. It's something that you are given daily. And, and there's some things that you've got to do. Like most of you, it's class and, and like being involved as a student. Some of you, that's also work um, and, and things like that. But in everything, you have an opportunity to seek God's direction. And that can be at work. That can be in your classrooms. But that can also be in your free time and, you know, at the gym and uh, in anything, in the dining hall, you know, whatever that looks like. We have an opportunity to submit our days to God and to trust him with that. What might God do with your life if you trusted him and sought his direction every day? If you woke up in the morning and decided, God, I'm going to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength what would you have me do today? Because doing that is much better than what we would want to do or what we think is best or what makes the most sense to us. His direction in how we spend our time in day-to-day situations is going to be so much better for us and for our relationships with the Father, so much better even for the people that God puts in our lives And uh, that's not going to be comfortable all the time. Again, the Spirit doesn't often lead us into places of of comfort and safety. And so um, even in the midst of that, it'll be good. So let's let's trust in the Lord for our direction, uh, both in our future and present. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is this. Trust in the Lord in your confusion. Um. 
You may not be in a season like this now, but if you are not, uh, you may and are likely to be in the future in a season where uh, times are difficult and you don't understand. You don't understand why things are are happening the way that they are. Uh, And in the midst of that, we can cling to the promises of God. God tells us this. He says that for those that are his, those that are called according to his purpose and are following him, he works all things for the good of those people. And so maybe you're grieving or frustrated by what you see in your life and are wondering why God would allow these things to be um, and really in difficult and confusing and trying times, we can trust God. He knows what he's doing. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised by your circumstances. He hasn't abandoned you or left you or something like that. He allows these things in our lives for a reason. And sometimes that's sanctification. Sometimes that's refining us to be more holy, more like God, more complete, more righteous. And sometimes that's the Lord's discipline, which may also lead to sanctification, but I think also comes with like a stern hand of like, hey, something's got to change here. But, but in both of those things, God is working everything for our good. And the scriptures in this passage say to, to take heart. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves, just as a father disciplines a son. Now, there aren't a ton of parents in here. <laughs> but, but I think that Regardless of that, you can at least think about, hey, in in the future, whenever I'm a parent, if my son or daughter is in a situation that's destructive for them, it would not be very loving for for you to allow that to remain, right? You might discipline them so that they would run from that thing. And that probably isn't going to feel good to the kid, right? When we come face to face with difficulty, regardless of of, of what form that takes, we can trust God. You know, if you're a child of God, if you've given your life over to Him, you know, we shouldn't face that difficulty and think, God, where are you at? Right? The scripture says the opposite. It says in verse 11, don't despise the Lord's instruction, don't loathe it, don't loathe His discipline. He disciplines the one he loves, right? Take heart in that. Like, be encouraged by that. So we must put our trust in God in our confusion and when we are disciplined. And then lastly, there's this trust in the Lord for righteousness. Trust in the Lord for righteousness. <clears throat> um, and, and I just encourage you not to miss this. Um, I think this is an easy one. I know for me, I think when we get to this spot in a sermon, sometimes it's easy for me to check out because I've heard it so much. Um, but this is something we have to remind ourselves of all the time, uh, and especially when we're struggling, right? When you're in the trenches deep in sin and struggle, trust in God for your righteousness. Don't let your sin hinder you from engaging with God. I think sometimes in that hindrance, we, we, you know, tend to run from God and, um, you know, it's good that you want to grow and want to live a more holy life. It's good that you want to run far away from sin because it's wrecking your life. It's good that you're 
deeply grieved by your sin. I think that's a mark of those that belong to God. But if you let that hinder you from engaging with God because you feel unworthy, it's possible that you are trusting in your own righteousness instead of the righteousness of Christ. And, and, and so just to help you see that in case that's not obvious, um, sometimes I wonder if when, when we're struggling with sin and letting that hinder our relationships with Jesus, it's because we're trusting in our own deeds to make us right with God. And so we see our deeds, right? Our flesh, our sin, our struggles, and we kind of panic and, and freak out because we know that that's not going to cut it in the eyes of, of a God that's holy, Right? That if we approached God on the basis of our lives, if we set up the scales and counted all of our good deeds and our bad deeds, that there's no way that our good deeds would out, outweigh our bad. And that's assuming that there are scales to begin with. Right? That's assuming that you could ever do enough good to outweigh the sin that's in your life. But, but the truth is this, that when we stand before the judge, the God of the universe, he's either going to see a sinner or he's going to see somebody covered in the righteousness of Christ. There's no in-between. Right? If you've lived perfect the, the rest of your life from now until you die, that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough to, to, to give you a pass in the eyes of God. There's no amount of good that you can do to outweigh your sin. And, and so if you've placed your faith in Jesus and his righteousness, you're forgiven of, of all sin. That's past, present, and future. That's the sin of this week and next. That includes the things that you don't think are that significant. Things like, you know, a lie here or there, or your pride, or your, your, your self-centeredness uh, and, and, and selfishness. Things that would still really damn you to hell in the eyes of a just God. And then it also includes things that you consider to be unforgivable, things that you're, you're convinced uh, God couldn't forgive you of. But we can take heart, right? Like no matter, we can trust God, no matter what your sin is, the righteousness of Jesus is enough. We can trust him. We don't have to trust in our own righteousness. Um, because when we do, it comes with a sense of hopelessness and dread because it's not enough. But Jesus says this, trust in my blood, not in your flesh. Trust in my blood and not in your flesh. Trust in me. Look to me, not to yourself. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Right? I've got this. <laughs> I can carry this. You're not out of my control. I'm not worried. I'm working all things for your good. And so I hope that in all of this, this is, just gives you something to think about in terms of how you can trust God better. Something we can all grow in. And I think that as we do that, we're going to see more and more fruit in our lives. And I love um, what the, the slice of life said just about um, learning to actually be close to God instead of looking like it. And I think that that, I don't know, that comes with, with trusting the Lord. So uh, let's pray.
God, um, Lord, we love you. God, we just ask that you would, would dwell with us here just as we get an opportunity to worship you. God, thank you that we can come here and sing to you and praise you for everything that you've done. God, thank you for saving us. God, for giving us your righteousness as a gift. Lord, help us to trust you in everything that we do in our lives, God. I pray that you would make it clear to us areas that we can grow in in terms of trusting you, Lord. Convict us. Speak to us. God, uh, we love you. Lord, thank you for your blood. And we pray this in your name. Amen.